We're here to help you navigate your business growth with strategic conversations and insights from experts in multiple industries. Welcome to Wayfinding Growth. This episode is brought to you by Impulse Creative. I'm Jackie, and if you want to see real results and work with great humans to grow your business, then Impulse Creative is your agency, and I'm your contact. Reach out to me through our website, impulsecreative.com today, and let's chart your course for growth. From a website that will get results to helping implement a marketing strategy, we're here to help your business grow. Hi there. Welcome to the show. I'm Remington Begg. Welcome, Wayfinders. I'm Dan Moyle, and we're so excited to get into this episode because today we're talking about some personal stories on customer experience. Now, we can just kind of talk about that in a broad stroke, but, but let's, let's talk about what it really is. It can include a lot of elements, but it really boils down to the perception the customer has of your brand. Almost like, a, like you, you say it in the episode, Remington, perception is reality. Right? So what's the reality of your brand? Even if you think your brand and your customer experience is one thing, if the customer perceives it as something different, that's the actual customer experience. So there's the definition. We're going to share some stuff going on here. What did you really like about this episode or, or maybe learn from it, Remington? I think it's fascinating. I didn't realize how much, but like I've gone to Twitter to discuss and ask questions about things. Um, and, and it sounds like you have too. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know that companies really leverage Twitter in a way that enables that. Um, and one of the things we talked about was going where your customers are from a support point of view um, might be a really, really wise thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I loved when you talked about um, proactive communication plus context and how that helps with customer experience and growth in general. So uh, yeah, great episode, man. Thanks for being a part of this one. Uh, That was good. So listeners, viewers, if you want to listen on the go, we have our audio shows on your podcast platform of choice. And if you want to watch it, you can see each episode at wayfindinggrowth.com and be sure to subscribe wherever you are. So you get uh, updated episodes. So here it is, friends. Season three, episode eight. Let's set that course for growth. So here we are talking about uh, experience and growth. And when we started this season, Remington, I was very excited to be able to um, basically have bitch sessions. (laughs) Cause like, so, so here's, here's where I'm coming from, why, why I was so excited to have these conversations, because I feel like no marketing in the world will matter. It doesn't matter how great you are. It doesn't matter if it's Don Draper. It doesn't matter if your experience sucks, right? If your customer service is terrible. If, you're, if me as a consumer, my experience with you is negative, I don't care how great your ads are or anything else. So experience really matters when it comes to growth and sustainable growth, I feel like. Yeah. 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 I think no matter, no matter where you are, you really got to think about the experience for sure. Yeah. And I, and I feel like, so one of the, so we talked about in the intro, what experience really is defined as, and I, and I think it's, it's amazing. And I think that it reminds me of reputation, mm-hmm. right? How you treat others, that kind of thing. So I've got a couple of um, examples of how I've had some interesting interactions lately with customer experience. Um, that I wanted to go over, but uh, what is, before we get started with all that, I mean, what is your thought on what customer experience means in today's business world? So I think a lot of it has to do with like proactive communication, but then, but then making sure you have the right context too. Um, it, you know, it, the experience, everyone's got a unique point of 
a point of reference, right? So customers are going to come in with a unique set of problems, um, understanding that they're a customer. And, you know, like I'm going to talk about an example in a bit, like home buying, right? This home buying process that I went through, it's only happened twice in my life. But for the people who do this, they they sold 50 homes this month, right? So having that pause to really kind of identify and understand that the human on the other side, your customer, might only be having this experience once. Mm-hmm. And what is it going to feel like rather than, oh, like I get to redo this in 15 minutes kind of thing, <laughs> um, you know? And then also I think there's the other side. The customer needs to understand that it's sometimes drinking from a fire hose, but, but you know, the customer's always right. You got to look at their perspective. I think that that's a big piece too, but mm-hmm. it's very much how we feel more so than like what happened, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and I, so what you just said triggered something in my mind that the customer's always right. That's something that we used that we have said over the years as business people and as like retail is always that way, or whatever, right? But, but I feel like Richard Branson, uh, CEO, founder, spokes guy of Virgin, everything, Virgin Airlines, and everything. Um, <clears throat> I think he said it. Is it like customers not first, employees first? Sure. Right. And so I find it interesting that that there's this like almost oxymoron, all, this almost dichotomy between who really is always right? Who is first? Sure. But So as like a business person, I, I love the fact that that's at least a discussion, right? On the other hand, as a consumer, like I better be right. <laughs> so I feel like there's like, there's this interesting thing, but I also feel like as a consumer who has worked in service before, um, I'd like to think that I have patience and grace with people because we do like, right. it's not always perfect and that's okay. Yeah. So yeah, I anyway. think, you know, societal issues, um, divide people pretty quick. Uh, yeah. like I was at the bar yesterday and the bartender served me a couple of times. He's like, Captain Coke, you know, like, great. He remembered, he didn't just give it to me. Cause I would have not been excited if he get, if he just gave it to me without asking. Right. Cause now I have to pay for it. But he, but he asked and it was like, Oh, I remember you kind of thing. Um, the, but he did that to someone else and they got really upset. Right. So I, I think that um, like, no, I don't want that today. <laughs> now, now, when you think about that, you know, going back to this experience, he has to mentally think like, is this person be cool with it? Right. And he has to be thinking ahead. Now, he read me right. I don't know what happened with the other situation, <laughs> but if he stops it, then I wouldn't have that experience either. So, yeah, I mean. Customer's right, but. Um, because the customer's right. When I think about that phrase, the, I, I communicate a lot to the team. The customer's perception is our reality. I like that. Right. Um, it doesn't mean they're right. It means that somehow or way or whatever, we miscommunicated or misjudged the situation to a point where their perception is not what we believe the perception to be. Um, and at the end of the day, they're the ones paying. <laughs> right, right. But what that opens us up for, though, I believe, as a business, is that while their perception is reality, we can help shape perception. Mm-hmm. And doesn't, like you said, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're right. That's just right. the reality right now. How can we help 
change that and, and, and enhance that or whatever. So yeah, that's really good. Yeah, And I think, and I think social media is like screwed it for everybody because yeah. now it's, you know, you, the platform is drinking from a fire hose sometimes, but then at the same time, it's also like instant. Um, and unfortunately the, the negative experiences usually out outweigh the, the positive in a lot of cases mm-hmm. too. So. Yep. Absolutely. So I have this, um, I have this, this example of experience yeah. that I want to unpack. So my family and I were busy one day and we had to stop in for some food. And so we swung into the McDonald's and we went in instead of going through the drive-thru. And it is interesting to me that right now there are McDonald's that are either testing or have just switched over to basically giant iPads, mm-hmm. uh, touch screen ordering, and then like one or two cashiers and that's it. Yep. And on one hand, everybody's like, okay, great. This makes it super easy. It's very convenient. I don't have to worry about it. And then there's also the whole like minimum wage political debate going on. And then there's also the, the, the idea that, well, you're taking away jobs from people. Uh-huh. But, here, but the thing is, the, the fact is they're there, right? And we want sure. convenience. So, so they're there. Well, we decided to go up to the counter instead just because that's what we wanted to do. And apparently it takes a manager's thumbprint at this particular McDonald's or maybe it's national for anything over $25. Now, I don't know when the last time you ate at McDonald's is, but it's, it's no longer like $3 meals. It's like yeah. seven bucks a person at least. Right. Right. Yeah. Which by the way, what? But anyway, but it's food. So like it costs money anyway. So it takes 25 bucks more for this thing. The cashier person said, I need to get a manager. Hold on. And it took seriously at least 10 minutes to make this happen because the manager was like on the grill at the time. Now here's my thing. If you have a, policy in place that it takes a manager to make happen your manager needs to they need to be available why are they not at the cashier or why are they not hovering or whatever or can't you make it like an override thing because if you're not going to serve your customers we're Mm going to go somewhere else and we're just one family out of billions served every year but i just found it very frustrating of like you want you want me to have is is mcdonald's have it your way i don't know or is it I'm I'm loving it. What I think is I'm loving it. I wasn't I'm loving, loving it. it. <laughs> anyway, like I just feel I just I was very much in the moment. Like, man, this is a terrible customer experience right now. Yeah. So, like, as a business owner, how would you kind of unpack that? Am I being a little too much of a whiny baby because it took me ten minutes instead of two? Or sure. is there something they could do differently there? Well, I think you know. Well, we don't know that exact the exact situation they were dealing with. Um, you know, did they, did they have a chef that didn't show up or, um, I said chef (laughs) on the grill person, not, um, not there, you know, when they were supposed to be. Uh, so I try to give everyone benefit of the doubt there in general. Uh, but, but yeah, it does affect the experience and the perception of it in your case is like, well, if they didn't have the iPads there and there were multiple cashiers, would that policy have been different? Right. I don't know. I don't remember walking up to the counter at a McDonald's and, and having an order over 25 bucks. I have a younger family. Um, it's usually just one or two. So I don't know how many times I've been over that, but um, to your point, the, the experience or the perception of that experience has definitely changed walking into a McDonald's um, to a point where like, I won't even walk in. Like if I'm, if I'm going to be like at a kiosk or something, I'll just order it on my phone and they can walk it out to me. Now that at McDonald's is pretty legit. 
you like pull right. up into parking parking spot three and you just like order on your phone and then all of a sudden a mcdonald's person brings it to your window now right. that's like i'll own that all day long um so i have a similar experience that you reminded me of though um from mcdonald's is i went through the drive-thru and it took forever mm. like like they have the dual lane and the outside lane was not the one to be in that that day because like they skipped me like five times just as I was locked in. And and I took to Twitter and I was like, wow, it was like 15 minutes in the drive through before I get my food. Um, and McDonald's tweeted me back and gave me via DM. They gave me a free meal like within 10 minutes. Like I wasn't even out of the drive through at that point. And I already had a free meal before I'd even paid for it. Um technically. So I think that, you know, they have, they are at a certain scale that I don't think many of us can comprehend, <laughs> but I think in general, they, they do a pretty good job on social where some other companies don't. Um, but it's, it's definitely one of those things that like, you know, they got, they have people hanging out on Twitter waiting for someone to say something negative so that they can address it. Um, that can't be a fun job. No. Right. <laughs> And monitoring the hashtags that go wrong. We've all heard those horror stories. Right, right. Um, and speaking of of being on on Twitter and complaining and getting yeah. an answer, so this happened just yesterday as we're recording. Um, eight days ago, I was having an issue with my CBS All Access streaming. Now, I recently, like late last year, I discovered CBS All Access for Star Trek Discovery. Mm-hmm. And then I knew P- Picard was coming out. Now I grew up watching a little bit of the next generation, but not much, but I remembered it. And I love like the idea of space travel is mind blowing to me. Uh So I was binging the next generation over the last, like, you know, eight, nine months, whatever it's been um, in preparation for Picard. And so here I was on season seven. I was like three quarters of the way through and I had watched a couple episodes in one evening and I got done and I wanted to go do something and I wanted to come back and start watching again. So I, I went to go back into it and then I couldn't get into it. Like, it wouldn't load. It wouldn't go to the next episode. It was starting me over on season one, episode one. I just, it was frustrating. And I decided, okay, I'm going to go read a book then instead. Like I had to do something different, but I took to Twitter to complain and I, and I tweeted, um, Hey, CBS all access. Are you having issues streaming currently? And, uh, I can't seem to get it to work. Nothing. And then I moved on. Like it is what it is, whatever. I moved on. It's not a big deal. But eight days later, okay, eight days from a tweet, hey, Dan, we're sorry you're having issues. Please DM us your email address so we can look up your account and get, start, get started on a solution. In what world is eight days get started on a solution? I'm like, wait a minute. Like, at least acknowledge the fact that somehow we missed the tweet. Yeah. It's been forever. It's probably solved, but can we still help something? No context in it at right. all. And no help. And again, the idea of DM us your email so we can do this thing. Like, no, just tell me if you're having issues. No, we're yeah. not. Okay, it's mine. So I'll reset my system. That's all I asked. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I just, I it's crazy. So that, that's where I think the proactive communication comes in. And I, and I talk to a lot of companies too that are afraid of apologizing. Right now you have like Comcast who says like, sorry for the inconvenience, like all the time. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking Super about canned. Like, yeah, like, like, you know, apologies that it took eight days to get back to you on this. But we can help you out if you shoot us a DM of your email. You're going to 
be like, oh, okay, like acknowledging that there was a potential problem. Um, um, even saying we're not sure. You know, it was a few days ago or we nothing in our logs. Like j- just that m- more than just a canned response. Because um, if it is a canned response, automate it. Right. <laughs> so right. Make it like, now. Make it now. Immediate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, what I think is interesting, though, is um, and this isn't bashing you at all. Like I took the Twitter for the McDonald's thing. Um, you took the Twitter to see about uptime. I don't know that companies are prepared for the change in consumer behavior um, for us to do those types of things. You know, like it used to be like you call the 1-800 number to see whether there, whether there was issues. Some of these right. places don't even have 1-800 numbers. Right. Um, especially these web apps now. So, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting thing. I think, you know, being reactive versus proactive in that, in that angle can be tough. Well, and, and taking to Twitter for instead of like a customer service or support phone line, um, some companies are really good at it. Delta Airlines, when I, so when I came down to headquarters in Florida back in December, as I was leaving, there was a delay on the tarmac. Uh-huh. There was a storm coming in across Florida, yep. so they delayed us. Well, I had a, a, a layover in Chicago that I was going to miss on my way home to, to Michigan. And I took to Twitter and just said, hey, this is what's happening. I understand we're delayed. No worries. Is there any way we can you can help me rebook because like I didn't have Wi-Fi on the plane. I had enough signal to tweet at them. And I just thought right. I'll start with Twitter. Like that's just my mindset. I'll start with Twitter mm-hmm. and maybe I shouldn't do that, but they, they were on it immediately. They actually rebooked me just via Twitter where when I got right. to Chicago, I had like, I was late, but I still had like another hour or whatever it was to wait. And I, and I got on the next flight to get home. It was incredible. What a great experience. Yeah. And like, like what has become such a commoditized industry and so easy to bash because they make a lot of mistakes and they're, they seem to be very much focused on only the money. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But they, like they actually helped me through via Twitter and not through like, I might've been DMS. Although I don't know. Cause like they just wanted my, um, my, uh, my flight number. Anyway, however it was, whether it was DM or public, like they took care of me. So, so it's, I love it when they can, they can do that through us do that for us through social media. I get really excited and tongue-tied about it. wherever we are. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah, wherever we are in general. Um, yeah, it's interesting because, you know, when you think about, when you think about that, so we just moved to a new town. Um, they don't have pizza delivery out here. Mm. Kill me softly. Because mm-hmm. um, pizza used to be something that was a weekly thing. Um, you can go pick it up, but, you know, they're testing delivery, I hear but they won't do it through the app. They'll only do it um, if you call. I haven't mm. called a pizza delivery place. I sound really <laughs> pretentious right now. I haven't called a pizza delivery place in probably two or three years yeah. because the app is so fantastic. Like you get to see the options, you get to choose what you want, all that jazz. Um, but Domino's, like I miss the Domino's app. Like I'm not exaggerating this at all. Like I miss the experience of going through the app, choosing like choosing what I want, it magically showing up 15 to 30 minutes later. And, and then, you know, I have an Apple watch and I get a push notification through the app about 12 minutes after receiving the pizza. I've timed it because it's happened multiple (laughs) times. And it says, I hope you're enjoying your pizza. Nom, nom, nom. And you're like, yeah, 
I am enjoying my pizza, right? Like as my mouth is full, but it's, but that's like an opportunity for experience that, you know, they're reaching out. And what's cool is like in the app, if you're not okay with it, there's actually an opportunity to say that you weren't enjoying the pizza, Mm -hmm. but like on the push notifications, it's just more of a confirmation. Mm -hmm. But, but that message wouldn't feel the same if it was the next day or eight days later, Mm -hmm. right? The only reason that that message matters is because it's perfectly timed. It's not immediately after it was delivered either before you've eaten it. It's thoughtfully in a context of time, which I thought was really incredible. And it blows me away every single time it happens. It's like, I've had Domino's pizza a lot. And, (laughs) um, but every single time that it happens when it does through on the push notification, it's just one of those things that is like, yeah, I am enjoying this pizza. Um, so their their social strategy, they their their customer service experience is just amazing, and that's like after the pizza. But when you think of before, the pizza tracker they've had it for years. The pizza tracker doesn't allow you to go where the heck is this pizza. And think about that from a customer experience standpoint. Mm-hmm. You can't go like I ordered how many minutes ago. And like, is the pizza in a different town? Like it's legit, like letting you know it's out of the oven. Mm-hmm. And a hum- you know, George talks about it all the time in some of his examples when he talks about like he humanizes the pizza buying process. Like mm-hmm. I want to be friends with the guy that put my pizza in the oven. <laughs> yes. um, you know, but it, but I think that's like a really big area where customers and like even impulse are trying to do is improve that experience because that false narratives, those false narratives and that perception can be really dangerous mm-hmm. um, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And how cool that Domino's, you know, I don't, I don't know the numbers, but at one point, I mean, they were not one of the top chains. They were, they were not popular. They were not doing well. They were considered garbage pizza by a lot of people. Yeah. And they, and they made some foundational changes, but then also that those changes of, of customer experience have helped them to grow to where they're, they're used as an example for marketers everywhere. The pizza tracker yeah. is like a huge thing. So, so taking yeah. into consideration the experience and the context of everything, right? Mm-hmm. Filling in that false narrative to help be, and be proactively communicating. Um, yeah. You know, within, within minutes, but not before you've opened the box, like they're asking you, how yeah. was it? And with a little, a little fun too, nom, nom, nom. Right, That's, pizza emojis too, yeah. Right? So just incredible to think about the customer experience and, and what that looks like um, in order, again, in order f- to grow, right. As we're yeah. finding that journey of growth. Um, so I've got, I've got an, an example of, of what started off really kind of annoying, but became uh, really good. So I, for viewers, I have an, a Nalgene bottle here and this is my, I think my third Nalgene over the course of my life, at least um, I re- I've always really liked Nalgene and, way back in the day they were they were considered unbreakable so like as a teenage boy i would try to break my nail jeans <laughs> and it, and you just and you just couldn't right every once in a great while you'd get one to crack but you really couldn't well so so i, I had a nail jean and and as you can see too as as viewers and for listeners you can't see it but you can imagine it's covered in stickers like i have made my nail jean very customized for whatever reason i'm a 12 year old girl i love stickers i don't know it's fine uh, but 
so, so I had this Nalgene and I used to pour in just a little bit of water in the bottom and freeze it overnight. So I would have an ice chunk in there, but I would leave it open so the ice could expand. It wouldn't crack it. I was good. What ended up cracking, but I glued it with like Gorilla Glue and it was fine. Like I'm good. Well, then we were in Boston at inbound and it fell from my hip level to concrete and it shattered. Man, it just exploded everywhere. <laughs> and I was like, all right, this sucks. So I took a picture of it and I tweeted again. I went to Twitter. I didn't, I didn't complain. I just said, hey, now, Gene, this happened. You know, what is your policy? Can, can I work with you on this or whatever? Like I was kind about it. Uh, Right. And, and, and so the experience started off though with, sorry for your experience, go to this website and fill out this form to get a replacement. And I was like, okay, I can see why you probably want that information and you got to ship it and whatever. And so, okay. So I go to the, and the website sucked. I couldn't get the form to load. I couldn't get it to submit. It would refresh. At least like it was just these, these user experience problems. And I thought, well, maybe it's the Wi-Fi at the hotel. Maybe it's whatever. So I waited a couple of days. I tried it again. Didn't work. So I tweeted back at him. Hey, it's not working. What can we do? Well, then there was call this number. And I was like, are you serious? I don't want to call a freaking number. I just want to tweet with you. And so I, I either called the number or something. Anyway, I, said, I guess I sent an email probably with the pictures of it. And within a couple of days, they sent me a new one. No worries. They, they were very kind about it. They, I, you know, like it was really good. So, so that lesson to me is like, don't try to force your customers into a certain area. Cause again, like I sound pretentious, you know, you said you sound pretentious about the, the pizza track or the, the pizza app. I feel very pretentious when I'm like, I'm not going to call your damn company. I'm on Twitter, sure. tweet at me, <laughs> but yeah. I, I hate, I hate having to call companies. And so, so contact them where they are, but then when they follow through, I mean, once I got it, I, I tweeted a picture. I was like, thank you, Nalgene. You're awesome. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe they sold no bottles from that, but <laughs> I'd like to think I'm an influencer. <laughs> um, sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it ended up being a really good experience. So, so how do you think um, companies can be better at, at being proactive and be strategic about that when it comes to the communication? I, I think we've got to find ways to, we got to be paying attention to where our customers are um, mm -hmm. for one. You know, you are obviously on Twitter. Uh, I think it's easy to be like, oh, I'm not going to be on Facebook because of whatever political reasons as a company. But at the same time, is that where your customers are? You should probably be there. Because if they're having conversations where you aren't, they're still having the conversations. You don't stop. You're not going to stop them from. No. Um, heck, we're having conversations on the podcast right now. But, um, you know, so being mindful of where customers are and then also understanding and trying to solve where they are as well um, is a great lesson there because like we're with reviews and reputation management, they say, you know, respond, um, try and diffuse the situation and respond to where they are. Right. But then try and solve the problem offline, not meaning not on, not literally offline like snail mail, but like not on, a public forum. So like I get mm -hmm. the DMS, I get the, even an email. Um, but yeah, when they start to say, Oh, you can only route through and call, there's gotta be a better way. Um, mm -hmm. and the fact that your customers are expecting that, like there, there really should be, you know, um, mm -hmm. I think one of the most, the most influential areas is uh billing. Like billing is like super blind. Mm -hmm. Like I want to be able to see my bill. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> 
you know, regardless of where it's at. Um, and it's funny because there, there's just a lot of uh, experience related stuff um, in finance and banking. I obviously just bought a house and that was a pain in the butt. Um, but like uh, a lot of people love Bank of America because they don't have to walk in, go into the, the teller. Like they don't have to go into the bank to actually talk to him and they can handle 99% of their banking um, on the phone. We had an interesting experience when we needed to um, send off a wire for the, the final payment for our down payment. And uh, we walked into a credit union and their only uh, virtual attendance, like talking about screens at McDonald's, screens. <laughs> Now, no lines, but multiple screens. And there was one guy there was like a security guard kind of thing. And he's like telling you like where you, should, where you can go. And it was essentially an ATM and a human combined. And it was a very bizarre experience because we in Suncoast, uh, Suncoast Federal Credit Union. But Suncoast would never be the one that I would expect, right, to, to be doing this. It's not a huge chain like Bank of America. But when you think of how banking is changing, like I don't know when the last time you actually went into the bank was. But for me, it's it's been a long-ass time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? And, and so there's payroll there that is not necessary, but then they have to be able to react when there's lines. And there was like 12 or 13 people in the bank, like, which would normally be a line at any other bank that I've been to. Um, and what I thought was interesting is they've done this thing where now they have essentially a virtual call center. It's no different than you and I talking on Zoom. And they've got this ATM that will spit out the, spit out the cash or receive the cash or confirm the cash. It'll help you with wires. It'll do whatever is needed. And now they don't have to worry about personnel in each of the individual locations. They could just be like, they could be talking to someone in South Florida and then North Florida, all mm -hmm. from wherever they're at. And I thought that was really interesting because it's not replacing a human as much as it's distributing humans easier mm -hmm. to the different branches. Um, mm -hmm. But it left us leaving like, that was weird, but I kind of <laughs> liked it. <laughs> no, and I think that I think that that's a huge competitive advantage because you get all the you get all the value and the benefit as a consumer um, of quick t turnaround. You don't have to like stand in lines and all that. And at the same time, they get the benefit on the other side, where they don't have to staff that bank, you know, throughout the day when it's really really quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, from a payroll standpoint, it was just really, that's like the stuff that excites me. It's like, it, it's helping on both sides. So as a consumer, what, what about it was weird for you? Um, so well, my wife actually did it, I was in the car watching the babies. Oh, she okay. explained this to me, um, and took a picture. Um, but <laughs> took a picture. Yeah. <laughs> but what was, she, she said what was weird is that like, you know, you saw shoulders of the person. So like if you're looking at me on screen, like this is about what they saw on the screen. And then, so you don't see hands or anything. And then suddenly it's like, well, here's the cash. And like, 
they're making movements because they're like moving the mouse and then suddenly cash comes out of the machine seems like they're in a box right and so she said it was just surreal that way um but it wasn't as clumsy as an actual atm because you just tell it what you want oh and the, the driver's yeah. license was the, the, her favorite thing she walks up and she goes they're like oh just put your driver's license on this screen so she puts her driver's license down and it like scanned the driver's license and they got mm. to compare it. And she was just like, it was like they were there, but they weren't. Yeah. Um, it was just mm. interesting. Off-putting because it's like on a pedestal. <laughs> Obviously right. not a human, but, um, but yeah. Yeah. Memorable Very cool. Nonetheless. Yeah. Interesting. Um, a whole new uh, definition of call center, I guess. Right. Like yeah. you said. Yeah. But still. Call center. Yeah. And people complain about call centers because like you can't get to a human, right? You go through these phone trees, you know, they're often, yeah. you know, the stereotypical, you know, well, they're in India and I can't understand them or whatever. And we all speak English. Like it's really hard sometimes over a phone, especially, but yeah. to have a human that you can actually look at and communicate with, like that's, that's huge. That's really cool. Yeah. Excellent, man. So good, good examples of experience. Uh, any final yeah. lessons for this particular experience episode? So I'm going to give a shout out to uh, our friends, Joey Coleman and Dan Gingis. They've got the experience this show and uh, it's another podcast. They riff super technical on, on like customer experience stuff as well. Um, and yeah, they're, it's just, it's pretty crazy with some of the examples that they give. They go like so many levels deeper about how things should or shouldn't work. Um, but no, this has been fun and, no, I think look for opportunities that enhance the experience um, for your customer and look for those experiences. And I'm stealing this from them on the podcast. Look for those experiences that impress you in your day to day and figure out how you could connect that to the experience that people have with your business. Hmm. Good. Awesome. And I totally saw that from them. So you should listen to their podcast too. All right. We'll, we'll link in the show notes to, to their show. And, and I feel like the other thing that I took away from it was you, you, um, look for, look for ex- experiences and things like billing and things like, you know, that, that maybe, you know, cause we all think about delighting our customers at the beginning of the journey. Right. Yeah. But delighting throughout with, with little, little steps, man, it doesn't take much to make me happy. <laughs> it really doesn't. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, awesome. you know, and, and I think it really comes down to just confirmation. Like, sorry, sorry, we messed up can go a really long way. Right. Yeah. Where did that, where did the whole idea, it, it, it has to be lawyers. <laughs> I'm going to pick on attorneys. Like, where did it start that you can't apologize? Well, don't, yeah. don't admit that you were wrong. I'm not going to sue you if you say, I'm sorry, we messed up. Right. Well, you know, Politics. I think it, yeah, I think it's, I think it's that like, were you wrong? Whose opinion, right? Mm-hmm. Like if we, if there's something goes wrong with someone's website, is it our fault? No. Do we have the power to fix it? Yes. Should we be sorry that they're having problems? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then we can step in to help. Um, you know, even if it's their fault, even if they made the mistake or they deleted the page, like, <laughs> right. we're still sorry. Let's see if we can get this figured out. I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of lessons there on mm-hmm. just trying to 
have some compassion in business. I think it's missing quite a bit to your point. Yeah. Excellent. Well, there you go. That's, that's this episode. Thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, go out and make, make a great experience for your clients. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please share it, post it, tweet it, gram it, email a friend, give the gift of knowledge to someone you know that could benefit from it. And if you really loved it, please consider leaving a rating and written review on your podcast player of choice. And as always, go to wayfindinggrowth.com for resources and past episodes. Remember, we're here to help you navigate your business growth with strategic conversations and insights from experts in multiple industries. Thank you for listening to Wayfinding Growth.